1: Welcome to the Garden America Show, the country's most listened to gardening program. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can also post your questions and comments right there on our page during the broadcast. Now, here's Brian Maine, John Bagnasco, and Tiger Palafox on the Garden America Radio and Media It is Network. our pleasure
0: to say a very happy good morning. Welcome to your Saturday. Welcome to your weekend. I'm Brian Maine. We've got John Bagnasco, Tiger Palafox, who is monitoring our Facebook Live very carefully. How's that audio there, Tiger?
2: It's started started right up this time
0: started right up this time hey we are back after a week reprieve uh spending time with our families during thanksgiving we hope you had a good thanksgiving holiday thanksgiving weekend as we turn the old ring light on there there you go a little peek behind the scenes here how things operate on garden america but it's exciting to be back with you questions comments get those ready in facebook live we also welcome all of us uh all of us uh, all of them all of you on biz talk radio who are tuned in listening to this pre-recorded show well,
2: guys, how you doing, Tiger? Good. It's middle of the very busy time of year for us, so Christmas trees are in. Poinsettias are being sold. Uh, Christmas- poinsettia or poinsettia? There's a big debate. John, what do you think? Tomato, tomato. It's poinsettia.
0: Poinsettia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poinsettia. Although they'll say they're both
2: accepted. Both ways or, right if, accepted. Or,
0: or if you're in the industry,
2: it's just points. Just points. points. How well, many I, points I, you I
0: read, got? I read, and we'll get back to Tiger, to your Christmas trees, but I was reading a a commercial this week for a nursery back in Louisiana. Oh, yeah? And in the copy, they specifically said, it's Poinsett. And I wanted to just read it the other way. Poinsett? Yeah. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to read it that way. I'm not even going to argue. Poinsett was the guy that it was named after. Exactly. And that's why people default to that. Yeah. They said, well, he was Poinsett. So, and I wanted to, to give him this whole dissertation, it's Poinsettia. <laughs> and I said, just shut up and read the copy.
2: It's not even yeah. airing in this yeah. market. Did you have to put a twang in your voice or anything? No, straight. Uh, yeah? I guess I have a California they, accent. Did they, I was going to say, they must be listening to that radio ad and be like, that guy reading it's not from here. He's not from here, y'all. <laughs> so let's get back
1: to your nursery and Christmas trees. Do you yeah. know when I was just going to mention quickly when I sold poinsettias in Michigan, that uh, as they went through the cash register, at the end of the register, there would be a bagger. You know, that would, uh-huh. would, sleeve them? That would have to sleeve every single one, because mm-hmm. by the time it took you to walk out the store and get to your car, the poinsettia would be dead. Because <laughs> it, it was that I, cold? Yeah. I was thinking, because of the price of poinsettias in Michigan, was
2: probably so high that, that it'd keep them perfectly intact. I mean, do you remember They're back... Cheap. They were cheap. They were like... Really? Yeah, I'm trying to think. They I were... feel they've gotten less expensive through the years. I Meaning... think they
1: were like three ninety nine back then which was not an expensive plant at that time? No, it was yeah. probably comparable to... What does that Like equate a, like, like a one-gallon like one perennial. Now. Maybe a $10 plant, now.
2: Okay. Yeah, because I just imagined they would be expensive to grow in greenhouses back there, have them all. And then, I mean, you remember back when... You know,
1: the Ecky points. And it'd be a six inch point The cost setia. of energy back then was cheap though. The <laughs> greenhouses true. were glass greenhouses. That's how much people <laughs> didn't care about what electric or uh, heating Their... costs were. Yeah. All you do is just shovel in more coal. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so uh, busy busy with all the holiday stuff
2: right now. Um, I heard that be Christmas the Christmas tree media. sales
1: were up thirty percent. Christmas tree
2: sales are through the roof. And we don't know if it's a early season, so meaning people are shopping early and will be done early, or if it's a bigger-than-average season. I think That'll with
0: everything that went on this year, I think people are anxious for Christmas. They just want to get into that holiday and just have that good feel-good, a good feel-good
1: yeah. feeling. But what Tiger's and, saying, too, is maybe people are afraid they're going to close down... And the state, and you can't go yeah. out and
2: environment. Yeah, and so, so it will, this weekend will be a good test of it mm-hmm. because this will be the busiest Christmas tree sales weekend of the year, and um, so we'll see in ranking as far as how the numbers are. If they're average, then we just know it's going to be an early season. If they're above average, we it will be an above average season overall. Which, by the way, you know, we talked last year with Mike from Pinery Tree Farms, and. There is continuing a huge, not necessarily shortage of trees, but there's definitely a lesser amount of trees out there. And also, you, the thing they have to understand is that, say we sell more trees, mm-hmm. we they can't just cut down more trees at, at a I was going to ask you,
0: once your inventory get, gets low, what do you you're, do? You're done. That's you're, it. You're
2: out for the season. Yeah. So if you sell out early, you sell out early. And so for those of you that are shopping for Christmas trees, not to put any pressure, but they're selling out quicker. And so you should go out and get your tree as soon as possible. Because if you wait till next weekend, you might have very minimal uh, options. And especially for the larger trees. It's very rare now this year to find a tree above 10 feet on a tree lot just because there's so few of them out
1: there in the market. And a lot of people bought them up early. Hmm. So. The way a retailer makes money on trees, though, is if they do sell out. Yeah. When you sell out, you make the most money.
2: Yeah, exactly. So...
1: So, yeah, it used so to bother me when I would I worked for your dad, and he would want to have leftover. No, because <laughs> I would sell out like a week before Christmas or four or five days before Christmas, and he would transfer from another store. So I would get their old dried out trees. Oh man! And I would end up having to throw them away. In meantime, on the transfers, they got full credit for. It. <laughs> oh. So get
0: your Christmas trees early now. Don't yeah. wait. Yeah. Because exactly. who knows. You just don't know what's gonna you're gonna have Slim Pickens, and especially for the larger trees. So Slim Pickens was an actor, right, John?
1: It's Indian love call, right? Yeah, and a singer, yeah. Look yeah. at that. See that? Very I throw, good. I throw, I, throw, I throw in my little <laughs> Slim Pickens. Do you remember do you remember playing the Slim Pickens songs? Uh and that was how they defeated the Martians in Mars attacks? Was that that B movie? Yeah. Market yeah. yeah. They started. They they were going down the street with the Slim Pickens song playing, uh, you know, blasting out of the van as they were driving down, and it would make the Martians' heads explode. explode. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, I think getting back to uh, what you're talking about with the uh, Christmas trees, if you don't hurry and buy yours, it's going to be Slim Pickens, right, uh, Tiger? I think that's hey. your... Yeah. That's your point.
1: Yeah. So you know, the one buying. I started Dale, buying every year was the Nordman fir. Were they available this year? Nordmans are available.
2: They're the one of, we 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 definitely stalk that tree because it's one of the most hyper allergenic tree, meaning you know a lot of people can have allergies to pine, the Douglas firs and those. Right. The Nordmans
1: are the least so we always kind of inventory. It seems like they last the longest, too.
0: So
2: Dale's got a question, uh, Tiger, right? Yeah, so I'm trying to scroll through here. And How fast do those trees <clears throat> how grow? How fast do those tree grow? So for Christmas trees, on average, you're looking at um, a foot a year. So if it's a three-foot tree, it's about a three-year-old tree. If it's okay. an eight-foot tree... That's easy. If it's an eight-foot tree, you're probably looking at more like nine, maybe ten years. So, as they get taller, it takes them, you know, a little bit longer to grow those heights. But, um, you know, the average, like the five to six foot trees, they're about six-year-old trees. So, about a foot a year. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, and, and the thing that people do need to remember and realize is that Christmas trees today are the equivalent to buying corn. You're buying it from a farmer right. that farms trees. Yep. Not you're not, not destroying forests. Yeah. You're if anything, you're actually improving the forest because these are actually cared for large swaths of land up in Oregon, Washington, South mm-hmm. Carolina that they're redeveloping, reforesting, and they they do They do a great job of it because they use their natural resources to grow these trees. You know, people think, oh, they put all kinds of pesticides, chemicals, all this other stuff. They're like, that's all money. So the more you have to put into that to grow the tree, the more it costs to grow the tree. They would love just nature to grow the tree. And so they do their best to make sure that nature grows the tree.
0: Okay, a couple of minutes to go here. Uh, We'll talk about our guest in a minute. John, we need to get your quote of the week in and out
1: of the way. All right. The quote is, I love tearing things out of the ground. I love digging and discarding. I love pruning. In fact, I love pruning so much that I once gave myself carpal tunnel syndrome because I attacked a trumpet vine with so much dedication. I think that was
0: your (laughs) quote, wasn't it, John?
1: (laughs) That was uh, Susan Orlean. Do you know what book she wrote? I don't know. She wrote many books because she's a writer, but but the one she's famous for Uh, is The Orchid Thief. Right. Which was yeah. a horrible movie. One of the worst <laughs> movies I ever yeah. saw. Another movie reference. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Uh, uh, well, don't well, waste Nick. your time.
2: But it's funny because our guest today, Janet Sluice, is
1: uh, also... She stole a, some of your orchids, right? I was right? going to say,
2: also an avid plant hunter herself. Uh, so I thought that was a really timely... Uh, You know, uh, quote, since she wrote the book on The Orchid Thief, and our guest is an avid plant hunter herself, so who knows what she's snuck into the country. So what is the basis (laughs) of having her on? What is she going to talk about? We're going to talk camellias today. Camellias, okay. Right now is the time of year when a lot of people's camellias are setting buds or blooming. It's uh, that time of year. There's even a chameleon named Yuletide because it's a Christmas time, camellia. So we're going to be talking about how to take care of them, how to grow them, and what to know about. Oh,
0: camellias. all right. If you like camellias, stay tuned for our guest. That's going to be a lot of fun. And what else? Uh, just and we're getting into winter time, obviously.
2: Yeah. So you know all the general other winter things. Um, we had a big windstorm here this weekend, and so yeah. a lot of the trees were affected by it. So that's proactive tree care and pruning. You got to be on top of that. I
0: opened my front door the other day, and I saw all these leaves on the welcome mat. Like what? Oh yeah, the wind. Santa Ana winds. Well, so Go ahead. We, funny, got, we, got about, we got about 30 seconds. So the
2: funny thing, right? You're saying leaves on the doorsteps because of Santa Ana winds. People back east, they have leaves on their doorsteps because they're all falling off the trees. That's our true. leaves are falling off the trees because it's hot, <laughs> it's dry hot air like dry, a furnace. Windy. Exactly. Blowing through. Not because they're going dormant. <laughs> you know, People get confused with that because these are evergreen trees like sure. eucalyptus sure. and pine and all these other trees that are losing their needles and leaves. Okay, we're going to take a
0: break. It is our first break, our first segment. Going to come back with our guest. Uh, those on BizTalk Radio, you listen to a few of our great sponsors. We appreciate that.
1: Got a question, too. You got a question, John? No, I, one of our <laughs> listeners has a question. Okay.
0: Hey, we are back. Uh, that's just a little conversation between John and the fellas here. As uh, we continue on this uh, Saturday morning, we are back after the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm Brian Maine, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco. We appreciate you tuning in BizTalk Radio and, of course, on Facebook Live. And John, were we done with their little conversation there? Hey, I don't want to miss anything.
1: Well, no. Dale was asking if it's—he's up in Humboldt, and he wants to know if it's too late to plant hairy vetch. And and what is the answer to that, John? I, I'm not really sure about Humboldt. Usually, it's used as a cover crop. You know, for. Okay. Turning into the soil and adding uh, nutrients to the soil later on. And it's usually 30 days before the first frost, or yeah, before the first frost is when you plant it. Um, But it's close up
2: there. It's close up there. Yeah, they could be getting it in a week. I mean, our weather is clear for a while, but it it could
1: turn like in two weeks and then all that is wasted. So the answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Watch your weather. You got 30 days. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe not. It just depends on what the weather does.
0: Okay, Tiger, let's bring our guest on and get this uh, train pulled out of the
2: station, as they say. <laughs> All right. So, this morning, we have Janice Sluice. She's the horticulture director for Sunset Western Garden Collection. Um, obviously, a avid plant hunter, as we mentioned before, gardener, um, and writer as well. And this morning, we're going to be talking with her about camellias in general, But um, also anything else that kind of comes up. So if you have questions, please write them right there on our Facebook broadcast, and we can ask Janet. Janet, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) You doing well this morning?
3: I am, thank you. And yourself?
2: Doing excellent. Now, you are in the uh, Pacific Northwest right now, right?
3: Actually, I'm
2: in the Bay Area. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh okay, Bay yeah, Area. Bay Area. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, how how is it up there right now? Sunny and beautiful, I'm it sure. It is
3: sunny and beautiful.
2: Yeah, this is the time of year to be in the Bay Area. People don't realize that, but you you guys get those nice clear days. Not a lot of fog right now, right?
3: That's right. Yeah. We, that's... We've been getting less and less fog though. It's it's the climate is changing here for sure. Oh really? Yeah, we haven't had fog really in years.
2: Oh, wow. All oh,
0: right. So you can years. see
2: the Golden Gate Bridge, I guess, right?
3: You can <laughs> see it almost 365 days a year now.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's all you know. That's
3: and, and I would say plant the fetch.
2: <laughs> you you say plant it, go for it. Go for it. All
1: right, all right. You hear I that wonder Dale if they have it? to change the name of the San Francisco fog tomato to maybe San Francisco I, clear sky or yeah, something. I was oh. going to say San Francisco is going to have to rework their
2: whole marketing. <laughs> yeah, scheme, yeah, exactly. Don't know?
3: don't bring a jacket to San Francisco. <laughs>
2: hey, so. Um, Janet, um, you know, before we get into camellias, I want to allow you to tell our listeners about yourself because it's such a fun story. And we did, I don't know if you were hearing our teaser, but we were talking about um, the Orchid Thief book yes. and how you also tend to go and travel and look for other plants yourself. So I'm sure, you know, there's some fun um, instances you have when looking for other plants. Tell us a little bit about your background, though.
3: So I'm, um, actually, my, my family has been in the horticultural seed and vegetable seed business since the early 1800s. So I'm sixth generation. I kind of say that it's in my blood. I think if you cut me, I bleed. Green, <laughs> uh, so I have all that that background. But you know, growing up in California, it's the the, the drought has always been. You know, water wise has always been an issue, and that's always been a big important push for Sunset. So I primarily look for plants around the world in other Mediterranean type climates. So I go to Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. And Mediterranean countries, and look for other plant material to bring here to California um, for the sunset collection. So, I get to work with people all over the world, and you know, plant plant people are all pretty much great people to work with. So, I'm pretty lucky that way.
2: Now, would you say that because people I don't think realize this, and I, you know, since you travel all around the world seeing these things, um, the market for plants. Is United States a big market, or are other parts of the world even bigger than the United States?
3: Uh, per capita, Europe is by far the most uh, – they use plants more than any other part of the okay. world.
2: And when you say Europe, are you talking what part
3: of Europe? Western Europe. Western so, Europe. you know – being Dutch, I can say that. Yeah. The, the Dutch have a—they have a long history of horticultural in general, and they so even Dutch, you know, living in the Netherlands, buying plants, buying house plants, buying cut flowers is part of your normal routine. Uh-huh. So, what they use a lot more plants, and they're also, you know, it's interesting because there's so many people. If you look at Germany and Italy and those countries, France, how many people live in a relatively tight area? They're they're much more dense than we are here in the United States. As far as you know. How many people per square mile are or, or living in an area? But they buy way more plants than we do, so we have more yard and we use less plants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we were in when we were in England, I did notice like their their um, desire to have. Different plants, unique plants, or just plants that don't even succeed, and they just are that. You know, hey, I'm going to use this for three months, four months, and then throw it away. And it's something that here in you know the you know right. Southern California, like oh, it has to live for 20 years or I don't exactly. feel successful. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, their <laughs> mindset is way different when it comes to plants. They they truly do treat them as a benefit to their right. life and their you know, home, not just, uh, oh, this has to be around forever. Otherwise, I don't feel I used it all right.
1: Yeah, I can't throw away the Phalaenopsis (laughs) Orchid because it might bloom again. So one of (laughs) my
3: favorite stories is I had someone who, um, she was actually a really high powered executive at Time Inc. at the time, and she had gotten an an Orchid as an office present. And when I met her, that was her question to me. It was, how do I get this orchid to rebloom? And I said, you throw it away and you buy a new one. Yeah, so true. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, thank you. I just needed someone to give me permission to do that. (laughs) People have this this moral guilt about killing plants, and and we need to get over that, you know? Plants die for no reason. Even I kill plants. I kill lots of plants.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure you're trying all kinds of new stuff. So I'm sure you probably kill more than most. If it's a
1: bouquet of flowers, you'll throw it away after a week. Yeah. But if it's a, an orchid that's been blooming for two months,
2: and you and you even paid half of the cost of the <laughs> you, bouquet of flowers, you can
1: never throw it away.
2: Yeah. So, that's right. Um, so. At, at Sunset, you guys do focus on a lot of the um, Western Garden styles, so like you say, the xeriscaping, low water style gardens. Um, you know, but today we're going to be talking about camellias, and a lot of people think camellias and azaleas tend to be these high water plants. Um, what do you have for those people when they're talking about planting camellias and azaleas?
3: They are sadly mistaken. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that. I fall into the category of a gardener who um, kind of poo-pooed camellias. In fact, when I bought my house, I chopped down my camellia tree. (laughs) Um, But they're incredibly tough plants, and that's why we see them so established in California. Uh, We actually sponsor a lot of water trials with the UC system. So at UC Davis and UC Irvine, they run irrigation trials. We have some of our camellias running in those trials right now because we wanted to be able to, sh- to prove to people that they actually are a relatively low water plant once they're established. So they take a little bit longer to get established. I would say, you know, you're looking at a good three years to get the root system in, maybe even a little bit longer on some of the real dwarf compact varieties. But once they're established, they can go for Weeks, if not months, in the Bay Area without any supplemental water, um, and if they do go all the way dry, they come back. Yeah. So part of my really like how to kill a plant is I take a, a plant in a container, and I've done this with camellias, and I leave them on my scorching sidewalk driveway until they're dead, and then I water them and see if they come back from the roots. Hey, Jenny, camellias do. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
2: Janet, we're going to take a real quick break. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. We're talking with Janet Sluis, and we're talking camellias right now, but who knows where the conversation is going to take It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
4: Like, are you a fist pumper? Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
2: apply. See website for details. Us, so please ask your questions.
0: Yeah, you betcha. Facebook Live, uh, post your questions right there. Questions, comments for us or our guest Janet, and we'll uh, we'll address them. We promise. Okay, this is, we are back. This is Garden America. Brian Maine, John bignesco Target Pella Fox coming right back after this. Stay with us as we continue on your weekend. All right, we are right back with you, those on BizTalk Radio, Facebook Live. We do appreciate you tuning in. And uh, joining us this morning here on Garden America, Brian Maine, John Magnesco, Tiger Pellafox as we continue with our guest. And again, do want to remind you, post your questions and your comments on Facebook, Tiger.
2: Yeah, and so before the break, Janet was just talking about how she uh, trials her plants as far as coming close to near death and to seeing if they would come back. And Camellia's passed your test, right, Janet?
3: with
2: flying colors. So, you know, that's the thing too, is you say establish, and, and people will say they'll, they'll come into a new yard and they'll have a camellia in their yard and they'll look at that and they'll say, Oh, you know, I want to get rid of all these high water plants out of my yards. And that camellia has been there for 10 plus years. It's a beautiful tree that blooms by itself and everything. And, you know, my thing is, whatever you put in there, I don't care if you put in a cactus, it's going to take more water to get it established and growing again than that camellia is taking up right now. And, And they just have this perception that they have to continually, continually water these trees and shrubs like that to get them to perform. But, you know, what would you say a great growing environment for a camellia is in California as a whole?
3: Well, in California, if you're on the coast, they can actually take quite a bit of sun. There, there's a correlation between how much sun a camellia gets and really most plants and how much water they need. So if you're concerned about water use and or you live in a really hot, hot climate, they do best with a little bit of afternoon shade or filtered shade. That will cut down your water use substantially, and the plants will be a little bit happier. But on the coast, they can actually take full sun as long as they're not really windy. They like a little bit more of a sheltered, protection area for their for their buds. So if we get these Santa Ana's like we're having now, and it's camellia season because they're in bloom, if they hit get that really hot, dry wind, that can dry the buds out. Um, but other than that, you know, they they do like a little bit more of an acidic soil than we have here in California. So. I'm one of the people, I'm a big believer of coffee grounds. I put coffee grounds all over my garden, um, and that's how I, That's what I use to acidify my soil. It works on my hydrangeas. It works on my camellias and my blueberries. But they do need a little bit of that extra, uh, a little bit of an acid-based fertilizer so that they don't turn chlorotic. You see a lot of yellow leaves on your camellia, that's probably because they need a little bit more acid, mm-hmm. um, so you can give them a little bit of fertilizer or a little bit of coffee grounds to help them get through that. But they'll they'll go in a lot of different situations, and they're really cold hardy to about zero degrees. But if you live in a climate where it gets colder than that, you can just put them in a pot. We have a lot of new varieties. Um, this, there's a new series out called uh, October Magic from Bobby Green, and in, in, he's actually in, in, in Alabama. But a lot of those are more compact types. So they're going to be three feet, four feet. They make really nice container plants. And in the cold climate, you can just pull those into your garage or keep them tucked, tucked up against your house or even throw a blanket over them on those few nights that it's going to get cold. Because this time of year, they make great cut flowers. You know, you can go yeah. out and, and buy whatever in the nursery. Go into the nursery now and look for ones that you want to, to decorate your holiday house with. So you can buy nice red ones and white ones and then cut them and bring them in the house you know, try that instead of
2: poinsettias. Oh, definitely. And one of the coolest things I think people do with the camellia flowers is when they just float them in a bowl or some kind of vase, you know, and they, they just take the buds and they just float them in there. And, you know, and as you say, the camellia is going to have hundreds of blooms on it. So every few days you just go out there and get a few more, you know, it's a really awesome plant like that. Now, there's a lot of varieties. You mentioned some of these newer varieties, compact, but there's trees, and then oh, yeah. the spectrum of colors. You can go from yellow all the way, you know, to the red, the pinks, the whites, um, and then there's even people don't realize this, but tea is camellia, right? Oh yes. So. Yeah. So, what are some of your kind of good um, varieties that maybe
1: are in the kind of spectrum of different camellias if people are interested and in growing I up? think you're stretching it a little bit on the yellow. <laughs> yeah. There are some hey, new, oh, new yellows yeah, that are... yeah
3: yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, well, I particularly like the Sasanquas. So you have those really big japonica flowers. Those are the really giant ones that you see, and they're a little bit later blooming. But earlier blooming in the fall, we have the Sasanquas, and I call them the violas, like the violas of the of the pansy world. So they're smaller-flowered, but you get a lot more of them, and they bloom a little bit earlier. So. Those big diplonica flowers can hold a lot of rainwater when we get rain later in the season, and sometimes that can get kind of messy. They get petal blight, and they can fall and and have these big, mushy flowers. But the Sasanquas bloom earlier. They're in bloom now so we typically can get them into bloom before we get a lot of rain so you don't have as much of that problem and there's more flowers and more buds on them. So if you do get rain and the, and the buds get damaged, there's more behind them that they bloom. So they have a longer blooming period and they produce a lot more flowers. And it's a time of year, you know, people forget about pollinators in the winter time. And camellias and mahonias and 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 plants that are blooming now are really important for pollinators and it's Almost more important that we have those plants in our gardens to carry them through until the spring and summer when there's so many different plants in bloom that that's really not an issue. You know, we talk about pollinator gardens a lot. And we're always looking at summer flowering, but there's so much for them to to get nectar and pollen out of in the summer. It's not really a big deal. Now is really an important time to have blooming plants.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing people don't realize is that you know the winter is the time for those pollinators, those birds, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, we got some questions, right, Tiger? Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I see a comment here that says we have four camellias plants along the north side of the house, been growing there over 20 years with little or no water. We fertilize, and now they're full of buds on the central coast. And, you know, so yeah,
1: once they become established, they're really easy, you know, to grow. And then um, several of our listeners have asked if uh, Janet could comment a little bit about pruning camellias.
3: Yes, so pruning and fertilizing both, you want to do that after they finish blooming. So no matter what type of camellia you have, you want to wait until right after they finish and the buds are all gone, they've all bloomed out. And then you can prune them back. What we typically say is you want to look for where the stem is hard. So you, you want to go back into the, the previous year's growth. So you want to take off all the new growth if you want to keep it more compact. And if you cut it there at an, at an axle on a node, you'll, you'll force more breaks into the hardwood than you would into the softwood. But the best time to do that is right after they flower because camellias will start setting bud again pretty quickly for the, for the next season's bloom. If you wait too long, you're going to cut those blooms out. And for fertilizing, it's the same thing. You only want to fertilize them after they flower, and then maybe, again, if, if, it's, um, you know, if the plant looks like it needs a little bit more in, in the summertime.
2: And for watering the first year, um, as we said, they they need to get established, so they're definitely not a uh, walk away kind of a from your plant kind of a thing. But as Jenna mentioned, you know if you put it in the shade, you're still not watering a lot compared to if you put it in the sun. So it kind of depends whether it's sun or shade. But you know, once to three times a week, depending on the area, to get it established for the first couple months, and then after that, you know the roots are going to be getting to grow, so you could be able to go from there. Um, During the winter, you might just. Forget watering. Period. Yeah, especially yeah. if it's an area where it got some good rain and yeah. it's not going to go away completely. So again, back to kind of like the sun or the shade will determine how much watering. But you got to get it established. But you know, then once it's you know growing, it's very uh, easy to take care of because they have they have really good root systems that get into deep soil in areas where um, you know if you're planted next to a lawn, they can almost just survive off the lawn water, of yeah. lawn water as well. Um, so, Janet, in terms of, you know, you mentioned fertilizing camellias, you know, not wait, waiting till after they bloom. Um, one of the big problems with camellias is you, you've kind of hinted in some of the issues is the bud drop, you know, from rain or rotting out, you know, from moisture on the foliage. So, you know, on these low varieties, would you recommend more drip systems versus like overhead watering like, you know, some other plants because you want to avoid that water on the actual petals?
3: Yes, indeed. Um, we, we really do recommend using a drip on these or, or even a hand-watering. Uh, you know, If you have a rain, you can't really get around that, although you know, a lot of times you see these in the older houses that they're planted up against the house, so they're underneath the eaves of the house, so the rain doesn't get on them as much. So placement can work around that, but they definitely don't like to get water on the buds okay. or flowers.
2: Yeah. So definitely avoid that kind of overhead watering if possible. But then at the same time, like, you know, we're talking about San Francisco not having fog, but um, is the like humidity fog, is that, is it more, or is it more just rain, like actual watering on the plant?
3: It's actual condensation on the rain. So if you have a heavy fog, that would al- also rot out the bud. We see this with roses, too, roses that are really heavily double-double roses. Um, they get a lot of condensation that builds up in the flower, and then they just the water sits in there, and they rot out. So we, we do see that with the camellias as well. But like I said, you know, the susanquins, they start to bloom in September, October, November, December. So by the time they're done blooming is when we're really starting to go to into our more heavy rain period.
2: All right. All um- right. I think we got kind of most of the camellia questions out of the way. We're going to take a break here in just a minute. And when we get back, we're still talking with Janice Luce with um, Sunset Western. But, um, you know, there's a question about can you grow carrots carrots in a bale of hay? Um, We'll get to that one for sure. And then also... um, Oh, one question was Would we plant, would we add compost or stick with native soil when it comes to planting camellias? So, we'll we're talking about that. Yeah, we're gonna take a break right now, but when we get back, we'll get to those questions. And if you write some more questions, we'll get them here on air. Um, I've just got this fun feature that popped up on Facebook also that says you can bring them on camera. We can bring I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens when wait, I push we, that button. We can bring our listeners and viewers on camera. I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna wow. push a button.
0: Hey, I hope you have your makeup on. This is good garden america gonna take a break right back after this talking camellias and other things here on garden america just like that to those that uh, tuned in on biz Talk radio we are back and of course back for you watching us on facebook live uh, which is a good time to remind those on biz Talk radio you can watch our show live every week just go to our facebook page you do not need an account it is garden america radio on facebook and you can watch us live and uh, go from there and of course we still appreciate you uh, supporting the good folks at biz Talk radio
2: tiger what's happening now all right so Um, Before we break off into some other topics, I do want to answer this question for Deborah, And it's, should I plant in compost or stick with native soil? And she's referring to camellias. And, Jan, I thought this would be a great question, because you travel around the world and find plants. And... You know, when we grow them in a horticultural environment, we pick the soil that they're in in a pot to grow them the best they possibly can to, to then sell to the public. So, when we have a camellia, and obviously they're not native to California or regions that we're planting them in, what do you suggest that people do when transplanting something like a camellia, which, like you mentioned, has actually very specific soil requirements?
3: So the main thing with camellias is they don't like to have wet feet, which is a technical term for sitting in water. And if you have if you dig a hole and you put some water in there and you you see that it's not draining, then your soil probably needs some amendment before you plant a camellia in it because they're that's just gonna rot the root system out. But if you fill it up if you fill that hole up with water and you come back the next day and it's all you know, sunken into the ground, then you'll you're, you're soil is probably fine and it doesn't really need amending. We've gone kind of full circle on the soil science part. When I was in school and studying horticulture, it was really, you have to get in there and dig that soil and amend and put all the stuff in there. And now we've kind of gone to the complete opposite, that you want to touch the soil as little as possible. Um, There's a lot of microbes in there. There's a lot of nutrients in that. You really don't want to mix mess with it too much. So what we recommend now really is that you dig a hole about the size of the plant, make sure that the roots are loose, you know, roughen up the the pot if they're they're root bound in there a little bit, and then use a, a nice mulch or compost on top of the soil. If you put a good two to three inch layer of a good compost or a good mulch on top of that, just make sure you're not putting that up against the stem because you don't want to molt your stem too much. Um, that those nutrients will actually go down into the soil and feed the plant, and you don't need to worry about all that back breaking digging a hole three times the size and all of that.
2: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of problems can be solved with the fertilizer, as you mentioned before. You know, you can change the pH, you can add nitrogen, you can add phosphorus, all that with the yeah. fertilizer is not necessarily needed to kind of do with the soil, right?
3: Right. And if, you know, if you have a, a nice compost, if you put that, that two to three inch layer, the worms are going to come in and the worms are going to do all the heavy lifting for you. They really, they'll come up and they, as that decomposes, they'll take that down into the soil and you'll have really nice, healthy soil.
1: Perfect. You know, we we got a nice comment here from our good friend Carla, and she says that everyone should have a camellia. <laughs> <laughs> she says they're great, easy plants to care for, and so pretty in the winter. And she mentions that Nucio's in Altadena is a great source. She said oh, yeah. they also do mail order, and they're some of the nicest and most helpful people that uh, you'll ever meet. Yeah, Nutria's is a great nursery. They have quite a few varieties that they've introduced as well, so a fun place to visit. Rick also wanted to mention that uh, you can grow camellias from seed, and uh, I want to let our listeners know that it's a fun thing to do, but don't expect to get the exact same thing. Yeah, they're like the roses, like we talk about. You Don't it. know it's what you're going to get. Seed.
2: You never know what flower you're going to get, right?
3: Well, and that's how the breeders come up with all these new varieties. Is they're they're cross pollinating different plants and collecting the seed and growing them out. It's it's all the old fashioned plant breeding.
2: Yeah, um, we have a we have a uh, comment here, and it says, "How can you grow carrots in a bale of hay?" So, kind of changing topics here. Um, have you ever had any experience growing vegetables in in hay, Janet?
3: I personally have not no? done that. I've I have seen it done. I've we've you know I've I've seen other people do it with great success. I think that the trick with the, the bales of hay is they do dry out faster. So if you're in a really hot climate, you need to really be careful with the moisture level on that because it's above ground and and the hay doesn't really um, doesn't act doesn't hold moisture very well. Yeah. It kind of runs through it. Uh, and and they don't last for very long, so you know, you you do, it's not something that you can do and then have a an extended garden for years and years and years because it will decompose.
2: And and you know what? Like I've seen these bale of hay things with gardens before, and it's always these really neat pictures. I've tried to plant in a bale of hay oh, before. Yeah. It's Good not luck. easy. Like <laughs> that that straw is very. Compacted into these bales, and it is not easy to work with. <laughs> Meaning, like you can't just oh, people think like oh, I'm just going to open it up and put a just hole. Just stick it in there, no and no You know, I'm gonna i to put a little bit of soil. You can't do that, and yeah. they're heavy. To get your machete out. Well, and, and then you start watering, it and it's super heavy. And so, I mean, there are you know, some
1: good YouTube videos if you want to just Google uh, and YouTube growing vegetables in straw or hay bales, and you can see how to do that. And anytime now through through spring is a good time to put carrots in, so you can go do that. And I, I noticed that we have a, a good comment here from Cheryl in Texas about growing. Uh, do you have that in front of you? growing potatoes in hay bales is an awesome way to make them easy to harvest no this oh. is this is um that's before that that comment. Oh, From, okay.
2: Oh, you also need to
1: pre-condition, pre-condition your, hay, your bale. hay Right. She says, add some high nitrogen fertilizer and water it well for about two weeks and then turn the bale on its side. She said, add a little moistened uh, potting soil and then sow the seeds directly on top of the soil. She said, water in gently. And as soon as the carrots have a few leaves, water with diluted liquid fertilizer every two to four weeks, depending on how the carrots are growing. There you go, you got your plan. Yeah. But I do want to throw out a
2: disclaimer right now because I get this because we buy bales of straw for the nursery every year during October because we do decorations and stuff right. like that. I get clear clarified every year when I go to buy bales of straw that you're buying bales of straw. The hay bales are that green like alfalfa and stuff. That so the, horses that they, they eat. Yeah. So every time because I go there, I go, hey, I need like eight bales of hay. And they look at me and they know me because I've gone there every year and they're like, you don't need hay, you need straw. You know, they're very quick to correct that it's two different things. So we're planting in straw bales. All right. Um, Hey, Janet, we're going to take another break here right now, Um, but when we get back, we're gonna finish chatting with Janet with Sunset Western, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming up. But this has been an interesting year for you all, I'm sure. Okay. You know, usually you go to a lot of events and you know talk with a lot of people. So I want to hear what you guys have planned because I know you guys at Sunset always have fun stuff planned. That what came out of this pandemic and what 2021 is looking for, uh, looking like for you. Okay, so when we get back from break,
0: you bet. And those on the Biz Talk Radio, this is our final segment, hour number one. We've got news coming up top of the hour, and then uh, we were. Turn with you, BizTalk Radio, six minutes after. Those on Facebook Live are going to come right back. So stay with us on this uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, depending upon where you are. With John Bagnasco at Tucker Palafox, I'm Brian Ming. Back after this, we are Garden America. once again, if you're on Biz Talk Radio, we open up hour number two. Glad you're with us. Facebook Live. We keep on rolling, as we always do. If you're just joining us, uh, welcome. We are Garden America. Brian Maine, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco, hitting a lot of topics uh, over the years and months. And today, I guess, Tiger, you could say camellias is the center of our
2: attention. Well, you know, the fun thing about camellias is that they give us flowers when there's just not a lot in bloom. Not happen. a lot happening, and, yeah. and so, it's really fun to chat about plants when they're kind of the center stage at the moment. In spring, there's a lot Lot of flowers that are out there and everything's happening and everything's in bloom but in winter and fall it's not as much so so camellias are a good plant and you know having janet join us this morning um also a wonderful addition to it so what is what is some things happening over there at sunset western garden coming into 2021 janet
3: well as you said you know with, with the pandemic this year and not being able to travel Everyone's at home more often, so we've seen a huge spike in interest in gardening. Whether it's gardening for food, people are growing more, growing more vegetables. That was already a popular trend that's gotten even bigger. Um, so edibles are a big component. But also, you know, people are just they're home with their kids, and it's a good time to get them outside and work in the garden and to learn a little bit about plants. So we're seeing a lot of more questions from parents on you know how how to turn this into a, a nature. Discussion or a science project, so we've been trying to help people, you know, kind of get through it that way. But plants also are very—it's—it's uh, it's kind of good for the soul to, to be able to go out there and get your hands in the dirt and, and get get growing and to grow things. Just to grow something is just really soothing for a lot of people. So I think that trend's going to continue going forward. We see a lot more people interested in gardens and. I personally feel like it's kind of my role to help steer them into plants that they'll be successful with. There's so many plants, and you're looking in the nursery, you see this, too, is you know people bring plants in from all over and get sold in California that really don't belong here, and then people kill them, and then they blame themselves. They say, oh, I can't grow plants, I kill plants. A lot of times it's just that they're not getting the right plants for their gardens. So I'm really focused on making sure that we are really regional appropriate with what we are putting into stores um, and what people are, have access to so that they can be more successful. And, and once they're happy and they get a you know, feel for gardening and they're good at it, they can get some more plants.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point. Being a plant hunter isn't just so much about finding a unique plant nowadays. You have to also think about the sustainability of it, because if you bring a plant into the region that could ultimately damage whatever, you know, maybe it brings in a specific predator or maybe it's a plant that's just as aggressively growing. You know, that's not good either, even if it does look pretty. So a lot more research going into finding good plants versus in the past. Right, Janet?
3: Oh, there's a ton more research going into it. There's, uh, the good news is, is we're finally starting to see some breeding work on natives. You know, natives have just been ignored in the plant breeding world. But I've been preaching this for 30 years, and I'm finally starting to see some of that coming to fruition, where people are starting to understand that. You know, when you go into a store and you see a patent number, and you and that plant's patented. A lot of people don't understand what that means, and that's that money is going directly to a breeder. And these breeders are there are people who like the people, like the guys doing the camellias here. They're they're individuals. They're not big corporations. Yeah, there are some, but especially in in woodies and the in the woody world, the shrub world, those are really individuals who are out there doing this work, and it's. Decades, it's lifelong projects for them, and they get a dollar or two dollars back on a plant every time a plant is sold. That's how they make their living. So it's exciting for them to be able to get paid to do this, but it also is providing a huge, huge. Amount of new plant material coming in from everywhere,
2: and it's not just new plant material because you know that they made a plant that you could grow. Because sometimes these plants that they've bred, the reason why they haven't been successful in horticulture is they weren't viable plants to grow. You know, they either got too leggy, or they didn't bloom enough, or they didn't sustain some of the disease issues that are in certain regions, and you would have never been able to have that plant in the past. But they bred it, so you could grow it, and you know, yeah, like. you say now they deserve all their the, the benefits of all their hard work for all those years. And, you know, you know, yeah, there are big corporations with them. But then for the most part, it's some guy or gal in their backyard that just has yeah. a fascination with these particular plants and that's what they created, so. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, we're looking forward to seeing more. Um, you know, we'll we'll try to have you on again as the uh, the beginning of spring again to try to, you know, see what's coming up in 2021. That'd be great. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a great rest of your weekend.
3: Thank you, you too.
2: All righty. Thank bye-bye. you so
0: much. And a good topic and uh, obviously a very popular topic with our viewers here on Facebook Live. Now, we do have questions. and We want to go back and make yeah, sure let's... that we're covering some questions that may not have been... Uh, Pertinent to what we're talking about here, but don't want to ignore anybody.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see. Um, uh, there's a couple
1: comments here. And Any, anything
2: back before uh, Cheryl posted that website,
0: that
1: link? You know, that, no. that, I think we covered everything, and that link okay. is really good for Tiger, so he can learn how to grow in bales. <laughs> exactly. you know, he, was, he was talking about how heavy they are and you can't move them. Yeah, She said, you you put it in a shallow wagon, <laughs> <laughs> and you can move it to the sun, you can so put it anywhere you want. There's pre-planning. Yeah, there's planning. Let's, come on. <laughs> Did you mean to say straw john or hey? <laughs> I meant to. Well... You need to make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, exactly. And, but and you green can hay, use, you can use straw anytime. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah,
2: those straw bales. Those are those are a, a fun project. Put yeah. your kids on it.
1: Hey, I wanted to let our listeners know about uh it had to happen sooner or later, right? You know, there's internet scams all over and especially with COVID, people are, you know, trying to take advantage of you. You know, I've I've probably gotten a hundred calls from the Marriott Hotel <laughs> telling me that I I was eligible for a free vacation. Um, uh, but it's happening in the plant world now. And the uh, and I want to let our listeners know about the pink philodendron scam. It's not really pink, John. Come on. Well, there actually is a pink philodendron in hot pink. You know, hot bubblegum pink. And and when that color appears in the plant world, people just go nuts for it. Sure. So there's a philodendron called Pink Princess. And uh, Gabriella Growers in Florida was probably the country's largest grower of that philodendron. And about two years ago, they were selling 4-inch pots for $6.50. Then they got an order for almost everything that they had in their greenhouse. And they planted another crop. And uh, and before that crop was ready, they had gone on the Internet and they thought, you know, we're selling these for six fifty. People are selling these on the internet for $100. So they raised their wholesale price to $50. They sold out within a day. When their next crop came, they raised the price to $100. Again, they sold out within a day, and they had back orders for 5,000 plants. Good golly! So right now, if you, you go to the internet and you want to buy a pink philodendron uh uh, plant. It's probably going to cost you around twelve hundred dollars. Uh, if you get one for six hundred, eight hundred, it's a bargain. Yeah, that's the old supply demand thing, right there, right? Yeah. It really is. And and you know, with the internet now, people can see that. Wow, this is something really exciting. I I have to have one. Yeah. But here's where the scam comes in. There's also a plant out there that is called. Oh, um, uh, what what did I tell you? It was pink pink Congo. Okay. The pink Congo philodendron. And what growers discovered was if they took a philodendron, a green philodendron, and put it in, uh, treated it with some types of gas, they could turn the leaves pink. But that's not what the plant actually is. That's going to fade, right? So people were selling this new pink Congo at the same price as a pink princess and if you bought one you'd have this pretty pink leaf and in a few months the whole thing just turned to green. Right, exactly,
0: right. Yeah. Cuz it's not real. Right. So if you do well, buy you a keep pink keep putting
1: that gas on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 so if you do want a, a pink or you do buy a pink congo, make sure that you pay a lot less for it. You know, rather than $800, wow. maybe if you bought one for $40 it would be worth it.
2: Unbelievable. So, well, isn't that like a, a blue hibiscus or a, a hydrangea? You know, like yeah. eventually it'll fade to pink,
1: but you got to keep putting uh, aluminum sulfate on it to keep it that blue. <laughs> I think right? it would be so, more like the blue orchid, the blue <laughs> Phalaenopsis orchid, which has been treated and is going to turn back to white. But hydrangeas they, they dye all- those, don't they? The, the blue, yeah, they died. They actually right. dye them. Right, so that's pretty much what's happening with this philodendron. But you know, your example that um, you just gave with the hydrangea, the hydrangeas, hydrange, blue hydrangeas are always blue. And they never change to pink if you're in Michigan.
0: <laughs> hey, we're going to jump in here and take a break. We're going to continue this conversation. Uh, get to your questions on Facebook as well, your comments. And any new questions, comments, post them right there, right there on our Facebook page, and we'll get to it as quick as we can. So, Garden America, uh, this is our first segment. Going into our second segment, Biz Talk Radio Facebook Live with John Magnasco, Brian Main, Tiger Palafox. Stay with us as Garden America continues. Okay, after a quick break here on BizTalk Radio Facebook Live, we are back. Uh, yeah, we're doing a few things here. We're going to try something. I think we're going to try something, Tiger. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens on uh, Garden America here. Questions, comments. Want to make sure, guys, that we're caught up on the questions, Tiger John. What do you see, if anything, as far as
2: yeah, we're our all Facebook, caught up right uh, People, now. we're looking we're good? good. Yeah.
0: Okay. But, uh, we saw Dale's
2: last last. Yeah, uh, prepare uh, okay, the bale of hay. So if we're you don't good. Do that.
0: That yeah. means your questions, your comments. Uh, give them to us now. The old uh, computer keyboard there, and we'll answer them as soon as
2: we can. Um, so a couple fun things this week. You know, number one in the newsletter, the quote f- with the author and the 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 orchid thief. Um, you know, that, you know, I know you said it was a terrible movie. But the concept people don't realize that it's actually a true, you know, true story. There actually uh, It was a true story. You know, it right. was a true event that happened and right. she actually, you know, researched him and talked with him and, you know, got all the straight facts, you know, to kind of put into it. You know, but it kind of brings to light this kind of underground plant world that exists out there that you know, there's people—no pun intended—right you now. In yeah. Okay, people all around the world that are kind of trying to find these unique plants and bring them to market. And you know, some of them are exotic, some of right. them are endangered. But um, you know, all over the world, people are looking for new plants for mm-hmm. whatever yeah. reason it may be. Sometimes it's beauty, sometimes it's cure of a disease. Um, but plants are all around us, doing wonderful new things. And there's a whole underground market for them. It's kind of kind of crazy to think, you know. We just think of these flowers that right. you buy in a nursery or whatever, but there's in the big breeding world, even it's quite a competitive area too, where people will steal patents and ideas oh, and yeah. all of that. It's well, kind if of you amazing. can come up
0: with something new, no one's ever seen or had before. I mean, I think financial the the financial windfall also is a motivation as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely if it if it's going to go into production, you know, food crops are huge for varieties as far as being able to grow. Oh, which wanted me to bring up, there's a new research actually doing in San Diego right now where they're trying to develop plants that absorb more than average amounts of um, carbon dioxide, because as we know, plants breathe in carbon dioxide and then breathe out oxygen. So there's a lot of scientists out there like, hey, what if this corn can absorb way more carbon dioxide than normal? And that way it starts cleaning the air. They stores it. They, You know, what they do is they store it underground and, you know, it doesn't evaporate and all this other stuff. But it's kind of a crazy thing because then there's all these people that don't want genetically modified plants. But they don't want genetically modified plants because they eat them and they're worried about genetically modified right. plants. But at the same time, this is going to be a genetically modified plant, but it actually benefits the environment and they will be edible food crops. So hmm. well, that's, that's to
1: be seen, right? Yeah. Sounds silly to me. What? Just to modify a plant for that. I mean, how about, how about not destroying thousands of acres of the rainforest in Brazil? That would be better. Maybe that would help a little <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get that because, you know, it's almost like whaling, right? Well, pretty soon there's no whales left, so what's your point? Uh-huh. And pretty soon there's no rainforest left. What's your point?
1: Also, carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's what plants need to live. They
0: need, exactly. Yeah. Just so. like you need oxygen, I need oxygen. Tiger, right. well, tiger, you don't. You,
2: no, I barely. You operate on some other system. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, okay, so winter time at the nursery. T- now, are you you're not out and about as much? Are you?
2: Yeah, I'm are, out and are, about all the time. You are still in during this time the of
0: the year, huh? Well, it, yeah. is, it is San Diego.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of busy things happening right now. I mean, as we kind of keep talking about, you know, what's been happening with the pandemic, this industry is has grown. Um, you know, landscaping has grown. You know, people are people are doing more in their homes, and so I I definitely feel like um, that that desire for plants has been greater Mm -hmm. than ever that I've ever seen it in you know our country for sure. It's Um,
0: it's forced people to refocus their attention on whatever they were tied into during life during the life before the pandemic. Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe plants. I can I can do that at home. Don't have to leave my house. Indoor plants, outdoor plants. I feel safe, and that's I think in that aspect, it's a good thing.
2: Oh, definitely. And, you know, and as we mentioned, you know, the breeders and the plant people that are putting new varieties out there are are really quick to kind of, you know, catch on to these new things. And and there's even plants, and and John will attest to this, there's even plants that have been bred years ago that they'll break out into the market now just because it's timely. You know, Mm -hmm. meaning like, you know, they might have been like, oh, this plant is great because it works on indoor environment, but indoor plants are not very hot right now, so we're not going to introduce it. Well... Indoor plants are hot now. They're very hot. They go and pull it off the shelf. They start production. And in 2021, you're going to have a whole line of brand new indoor plants
1: um, because they're they're ready to be sold
2: now. You know, kind of a thing.
1: You know, I would say that probably 50 years ago, I first became aware of uh, mistletoe fig. And I thought... Everybody's going to want to have these plants at Christmas time, right? So during my career, I kept trying to make that plant popular, and and I'm pretty sure it's still not popular. <laughs> it's Ficus diversifolia. The leaves look kind of cool, and it it has a little mistletoe like berries, berries on, on it, it, right? Yep. And you know, I always thought, why wouldn't anybody have these at Christmas time? Yeah, I even uh, as a buyer had growers grow them for me for a big Christmas promotion. They just never sold. Well, it's all about marketing, right, John? Maybe the I right... was trying to market it. Yeah, mistletoe figs, Christmas. Put bows on the plants. But yeah, and you're right. It, and it just happened to be one
2: of those plants that actually produced at the right time. Yeah, because they did have it during, yeah. you know, the winter yeah. time
1: as well. So, but, but you know, finding new plants and looking for new plants. One of the things that uh, I don't think was ever addressed properly was the uh, Endangered Species Act, um, which is an international treaty, the uh, uh, CITES treaty. And the whole treaty was designed for animals, to protect animals. Mm -hmm. And just in the last week or two before it was signed, somebody said, oh, let's throw plants in there, too. And, And plants... I'm, everything was geared towards animals. A lot of the stuff didn't apply to plants. Right. So you'll have places in some of the rainforests where they are, you know, uh, plowing down the rainforest, burning them. You'll have uh, thousands of rare species of orchids and and tropical plants that you're not allowed to save if you're coming through with a bulldozer. The treaty says they have to be bulldozed under. You can't go and touch them because it's breaking the treaty. So there is a need to. And, and what made me think about that was the orchid thief orchid that you thief, were talking yeah. about because he was he brought awareness to a lot of those issues. Yeah. Uh, well, he was trying to steal the the ghost orchid right. out of the Florida swamps, which was endangered. Uh, but again, you know, people who are taking those plants aren't just taking them to destroy the environment. Some of them are trying to propagate them and save them. You know, the franklinia uh, that's grown on the East Coast, which is kind of a camellia relative, has flowers like a camellia. There were only three plants that were ever found. And uh, somebody on the East Coast who was a a friend of Benjamin Franklin's got those three plants out of the wild, took them to his house, planted them, and it was never seen in the wild again. But people today can plant fur and in their yards just because that one person saved them.
0: Okay, break time again here on Garden Ah. America. We have two more segments coming up. Still plenty of time for your questions, your comments. We were talking camellias this morning, but obviously anything you want to talk about, discuss in this horticultural crazy.
3: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen
2: the bride and groom?
0: World of Plants, uh, just uh, post your comment, your question right there on our Facebook page. Taking a break, Brian Maine, John Bagnasco, Tiger Palafox here on Garden America. With you, thank you for tuning in on Biz Talk Radio. Thanks to the uh, the great staff, the team at Biz Talk Radio for carrying Garden America and keeping us coming to you each and every weekend. Again, we kick things off on the Pacific uh, Time Zone, eight oh six or so, uh, 11. 06, 11 o'clock Eastern Time Zone. So we are back, gentlemen. What do we? What do we did, do? What do we do Dana now?
2: reply back to you?
0: No, she did not reply back to me. Okay, we are we are asking uh, Dana to. Uh, I don't know if anybody
2: out there something on Facebook. Well, if anybody other even helps us, every week it seems <laughs> Facebook has something new and we're not very in tune to all those new developments and you don't get notified. Well, and sometimes and, you can't do it until like like right now, we can't practice this. Right. You well, have, we don't want to because I'm scared what will happen.
0: What will happen. Yeah. And, and I get, well, let's explain what, what feature that Facebook is telling during, you they now
2: have. I'm monitoring the chat and during the chat, I can, you know, if somebody makes a comment, they can. They, it says, bring them on camera. But how do you bring them on camera if they're not in front of a
0: camera themselves?
2: Yeah, and Dana did just post, but it, my, the option didn't come up to be able to bring her on camera. Yeah, I don't we got know. the hello. It must be the way people have their settings, maybe, on Facebook. Um, and, you know, and how but, do we
0: know they want to be on camera? You know, well, yeah, you, you yeah. catch somebody.
2: So, you know, like Kathy, who's one of our longtime listeners, it gives the option to bring her on camera. Dale gives the option bring them on camera and Well, you does know, Dale want to be on camera? Yeah.
0: First <laughs> of all, we should ask Dale and these people, do you want to be on camera? Before we just
2: throw something I up I don't there. even know what's going to happen when I do select it. And we could go off the air.
1: <laughs> hey, Rick mentioned that a good Christmas uh, gift idea was a worm farm, and I hope yeah. Brian wasn't looking because that's what I was going to get him.
0: <laughs> a what? I didn't hear a you. A
2: worm farm.
0: I'd love a worm farm. Do you know that I actually bought worm? Years ago, I was raising with my son a, um, oh, what was it, a chameleon? I've, it's some kind of a lizard species, and they, they live on worms. So I went and bought all these worms, and then I realized, well, you have to raise these worms. You can't just like buy them and put them in a bag or something. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, this is way too much work. I don't <laughs> want to do all this. You know, well, I've got to sustain this creature. Exactly. Lasted about two weeks. I said, you know, we're going back and just buying the regular, you know, crickets and stuff at the uh, and worms at the uh, pet store.
2: But uh, that takes some work. Growing worms takes work. Yeah,
0: dirt, and it's like a little farm. You know, yeah. you have the screens, and you got to shake out the dirt and. It's like, you know what? No, we're not doing that. Unless unless I'm going to raise these worms and sell them to somebody else myself.
1: Yeah, make, a, know, make a profit. Wholesale retail. I want to go back to a, a conversation we had uh, because I had mentioned what a horrible movie The oh, <laughs> Orchid yeah, yeah. Thief was. The, the reason I thought it was a horrible movie was because I liked the book, mm-hmm. and the movie had nothing it had to do nothing with to the Nothing to do book. with the book, yeah. Yeah. So that was why I didn't like it. But I did want to mention that there's another book out there called uh, Orchid Fever. Mm-hmm. That's a great book. If, and that would be a great Christmas That was the sequel too. to Saturday Night Fever, wasn't it? Orchid Fever? Here's, no. Here's, oh, different, no, no. Different. But uh, it does tell you a little bit about, um, you know, it actually is a disease. Uh, if you start growing orchids, it's... You can't stop. You can't stop. I'm fascinated by orchids myself. I, I think they're very cool. Uh, well, you know, the orchid, uh, the orchid genus is the largest genus, I think, of plant, flowering plants in the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. So once you do start... You know, when we were going to take our trip to the uh, to Slovenia yeah. to go to the International Wildflower, wild orchid. The orchid they show had like festival. 80 species of wild orchids that were growing in the Alps. Those are just wild orchids. Imagine how many more in. The Imagine trachids. wild orchid. I've
0: never seen an orchid in the wild.
1: I saw you in the wild one time, and it was
0: a whole different experience.
1: <laughs> it was an orchid. You went. Or- oh. I've seen. You've seen orcas in the wild. Orcas. Though. Yeah. Which are <laughs> actually- completely different. They only come in black and white. That's true. That's true. All right. And You know, but the one thing, the reason why I
2: think that orchids are so uh, desired, and then you do get this feeling that you want to keep growing them is because there is this kind of like a little bit of a challenge to get them to grow, to get them to flower, you know, in the sense of, you know, I know a lot of them aren't super difficult. They just take time, but there's that sense of success when you've actually grown one. Oh and then yeah. It puts right? out a you flower feel proud of yourself. You do. You feel proud of yourself because they are treated so much like a throwaway flower to a lot of us yeah. um, that I feel like it's 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 kinda like you you get that feeling in your body that you've done something so wonderful and then you wanna do it again, but it's gonna take you <laughs> six to eight months to do it again. But it's all worth it when you do it kind of a thing. Look right? what
1: I did. I yeah. think I told you guys the story about six no, it was actually about 10, 12 years ago before, I, I guess, orchids were quite as popular as they are now. Uh, my son Joe at his home always had one on his table in bloom. And after about a year, my wife said, how do you keep that thing in bloom all the time? <laughs> and he said, every month I just go get another one at the yeah. supermarket. <laughs> exactly.
0: And that's pretty much what we're telling people when it comes to that. I, somebody a year and a half ago, when we, we moved our, our offices around here in the building, And uh, she had this orchid, and she goes, you know what, why don't you take this home? I've just, you know, and it wasn't in bloom. A year and a half later, all we have are three or four beautiful green leaves. (laughs) That's it. It, We're done. Nothing's going to happen unless you like the green leaves. So, I think it's time maybe to replace that. You know,
1: a lot depends on where you live. Uh, You can't grow... Phalaenopsis orchids outdoors in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Maybe in San Diego in some protected areas. In a protected spot, yeah, like under a patio or something. Definitely not like in fall That's the it's word fail. Just too quickly. Fail. right? Anopsis. Right. <laughs> but, but you can grow cymbidiums outdoors here easily. It's probably the easiest orchid there is to grow, and they'll be coming in a bloom pretty soon. You know, that whole worm,
0: worm farm thing has really sparked a lot of interest on Facebook Live here with a lot of comments on people who have, um, uh, you know done their own worm, fa- worm farms, yeah. raised worms uh, how to in, do it. In, in different ways and how to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if that's something you're into, way to go.
2: Hey, and, and if anybody out there is looking or has a worm farm or looking into getting worm farm, one of the fun things to do is, because what you want to do is you want to be able to harvest the, the fruits of their labor. You want to harvest the soil that they've created, right? Right. Well, it's really hard sometimes because they're mixed into that soil. Their favorite, what I found to be one of their favorite foods is a melon, so if you take a watermelon rind, a cantaloupe rind. Toss it in there? Well, you set it on top. That draws all the worms up into the melon rind, and they'll all be up and congregating in that top right, layer. Right, And it allows you to dig underneath and then pull out all of the good soil without losing a large wow. population of worms because they're all up in the melon area of the farm. Is that the little fun fact of the day? Yeah, I've exactly. never heard of that. And the more you know. <laughs> More you know.
1: <laughs> you know, Cheryl says that she had a, uh, worm, a bin of worms in her dining room for years. So, I think you could easily have one at your house, Brian. You think? Yeah. And in her dining room, I guess maybe she used to watch Survivor, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think worms are protein, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A lot of yeah. I mean, yes.
0: If you're so, if you're starving and you're in the forest or someplace, or you got worms, eat a worm.
1: Well, I remember (laughs) as a kid growing up in Michigan. Minerals, bugs too. Yeah, that's when people started chocolate covering worms. Yeah, exactly. Grasshoppers and ants and all those things and things things like that. (laughs) And just the thought of it back then was was odd. I mean, but I guess if you ever go to the Seafood market in Japan. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, normal. China, you see a lot of unusual things. So, anyway, and you know who Sharon Asakawa used to have a uh, uh, worm farm on her back porch, and mm-hmm. she had the one that had the little spigot where yep. you didn't get tea the out. tea out, worm tea.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, stuff exactly. Like that. Exactly.
2: <laughs> oh, oh. Here we go. A little break in the action, right? Yeah, but. You know, we're, you know, it's fun. It's fun this time of year to be busy because, you know, it is known as like a slower time of the year for our industry, you know, especially if you're kind of in the Midwest where starting to well, get those sure. weather storms patterns coming in. But there are things you, you, you can down. do.
0: you There are some things you can do this time of the year. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> as we get into winter. Now, again, a, a lot of the country, well, people, you know, back east or Midwest where there is snow, I would imagine would bring some of those plants inside. Oh, definitely. You know, back and forth. We don't worry about that
1: here. No. No, My brother has a brugmansia Uh that, actually, both my brothers and my sister have a brugmansia that my dad started as a cutting years and years ago. But, you know, it's a tropical plant, so it has to be brought indoors every every winter. And brugmansias are easy to start from cuttings, and they grow quickly. How big are they? Like, do they keep them in like a pot that's equivalent to like a 15 gallon or something like that? And they'll, you know, by the end of the summer, they're blooming and they're all about six to eight feet tall. Okay. And then they cut them back a little bit, bring them in the winter. All the leaves fall off. Do they? But they kind of fall off here, too. Oh, they definitely fall off here. And that's not a normal. But then do they start to put out while still in the winter there? Well, inside? No, no, You no. You, know, wait you really wanted to stay kind of dormant, okay? Um, but I was just thinking something else. I I told you about uh, all my new plumeria that I got. Yeah, and you know I'm going to stop you here because why?
0: Every time you talk, it's break time, and I don't <laughs> want you to get too far into your oh, conversation. When we Come back.
1: I want to finish the story.
0: Beautiful setup. Is we're going to listen right. to John after we come back. It is uh, our final segment coming up next here on Garden America. our final segment, both on BizTalk Radio Facebook Live as we are back back live, of course, on Facebook, pre-recorded on BizTalk Radio. But a reminder to our friends on BizTalk Radio: you can watch our show live, watch and listen every week, eleven o'clock Eastern Time Zone, eight o'clock in the West Coast here, and of course, always listen to the pre-recorded shows on BizTalk Radio. And gentlemen, I think next week it is time for another podcast. We'll talk about that later. John, back to your
1: story. What was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> <Plumerias>. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were talking at the beginning of the show about the the wind that we had, right? Right, uh-huh. exactly. It was record winds and Santa Ana winds uh, at my house, and my trailer was just shaking all night. But I got up in the morning, went outside, and the wind was so strong, it blew the trash cans over, right onto my new Plumerias that I had oh. bought, smashed them all into the ground. I all the leaves are off, but I don't think anything's broken. I have to look at it again today. I just started standing up all the plants of my house that had been blown over. And I was getting smacked in the face with uh, rose stems and had scratches all over my face. Wow. <laughs> and I'll finish standing everything up today, but uh, that was that was not a good experience.
0: The winds are going to be dying down. You feel safe?
1: So, to- yeah, the winds are, are are gone for now. Who knows if they'll come back up? But uh, the damage was just unbelievable. Terrible, John. I know. It's kind of sad.
2: You know, it's funny. At the nursery, whenever we get um, big winds, we just leave everything lying down until they're clear. Because otherwise, they're just going to fall back down.
1: Yeah, there's no... I, <coughs> yeah, right? I didn't, that's why I didn't stand anything up until yesterday. <laughs> What's the point? It just it's falls so back funny. over. Because
2: people, people will come in. And they'll be like, hey, everything's falling down. And I'll see people out in the During nursery, stand, in a, <laughs> customers right. standing stuff up. And, and no, you know, well, thank you. Like, but, yeah, you know, but come back tomorrow. Break. It's going to be down yeah, again. Yeah, I was going to say it better if you leave it down because then we don't have to deal with a broken branch or something off of it. So, yeah, windstorms are always. I, I would hate to live in one of those areas where the nurseries, you know, where it gets windy and you, they have to put the nurseries. With these they, rows they have to, with these supports and right. they actually tie the plants to these supports because they would be out there just falling sure. down constantly. Right. Oh, I couldn't imagine dealing with that. I worked at a nursery in San Marcos and we had to do that. Really? Yeah. Just constantly tie things up right. just all the time. Yeah. That's difficult, difficult, difficult when you're, you know, and, and then that dries out the pot so easy, easily that right. you're just watering constantly. Oh, speaking
0: of that, I, I wanted to tell you guys this story. So I mentioned a few months ago our neighbors upstairs, they, they moved out, and I inherited a lot of their plants. Mm-hmm. One was a banana tree, different than the one you gave me, John. Right. And um, it was about maybe up to my halfway between my knees and my waist. And it, it kind of it wasn't growing. So I fertilized it, got it growing, looking good all through the summer, watering it a lot because of the dry heat. Right. Well, recently, within the last couple of weeks, I noticed it's, not, it's kind of just stagnant. It's not doing uh-huh. anything. And then I noticed water's not draining. And I'm like, well, this is crazy because I've never had a drainage problem in this pot. For, just So I, I poured the water out, but I leaned it all the way over, and I realized no holes had ever been punched into the pot. Oh, gee. Okay. And the reason that it that wasn't a problem during the summertime was because you it was so hot. so much. And I'm watering, I mean, yeah. and it's the water's being taken up. Right. Well, now that it's cold, it's like, it's oh, staying. man, those roots. So I went in, and I punched some holes into it cut some of the leaves off, and now it's coming back again. But there's just an example right there. If have, have I Had I not done that, I would have thought, well, it needs more of this. It needs less water, or this or that. No, you just need to punch holes in the bottom of the pot and let the water drain. Yeah. So just a little story to, you know.
1: You know, uh, speaking of watering and rain, Patty mentions that last year, November, we had five inches of rain. And this year, you know, less than an inch. Virtually nothing. nothing yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need rain, and no rain in
2: sight, right? No, nothing on the forecast for at least two weeks. You know, which I—that's the only credit
1: I kind of give to the weather—is two weeks out. Because
2: <laughs> yeah, anything farther than that, it's you know, I was dice.
1: so surprised using my iPhone looking at the weather and it told me when the wind was going to start and uh, hour by hour how windy it was going to be. And was, I thought, was it accurate? It was accurate. I mean, when I was growing up. They couldn't even tell you if it was going to rain or not
2: the next <laughs> day. That's the truth.
0: Are you going to put a wind vane up on your property?
1: Wind vane. A wind vane? Wind a windmill or no, a weather vane? A weather, weather vane, I'm sorry, yeah. That, a weather yeah. vane? Yeah. You know, we were thinking of putting one on the house, but I don't know if it would.
0: Just, kind of, it, just for, for kicks. Just, yeah. Look at that. What's that? Just up climb there? up there and put it on there while yeah, it's. Yeah, with a little rooster on
2: top, yeah, you know, yeah, and it. Right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. it <laughs> would be fun. I'll have to think about it. Right now, we're we're hoping that we can... <laughs> get a roof on. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, that we can maybe have some furniture in the house when overrated, move Yeah, Furniture's overrated, John. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll,
0: let's go. I can't wait till we go out and buy we're koi. We're so
1: over budget. Koi
0: for your koi pond. That's got to be fun, John. We put koi in that big pond of yours, the waterfall that comes down. <laughs> well, my
1: son is going to- The water
0: slide down to Joe's house? Yeah. There he, you
1: go. He is putting a, a fountain over there. Good for a him. A waterfall.
0: Good for him. Hey, speaking of fountains, this is interesting, Tiger. Yeah. So, so last summer, we bought a fountain. Okay. In June, weather's nice, hot. That suck. I had it running every day. Mm-hmm. And I figured even, even if you don't want to run it, at least run it for an hour for the pump. Yeah. Keep it going. Correct. As the weather gets a little cooler now, it's darker. Kind of not using that fountain so much anymore. Yeah, but I still go out there and run it and keep it clean. But but I can see why people now they just get out of, out of the habit of using it because it's not summer, it's not warm. Yeah, but uh, we're going to continue to use it because I like it. But it's interesting how things change like that. Why don't you put it on one of those timers? I've got to... T- yeah I, you know what that's a good idea that's that's a guy should, you know, I should do that you just yeah. get those
2: outlet timers oh yeah I've got to put it on there the it automatically comes on and you set it to come on when you're mostly home that's you a know, good kind idea thing so
0: you know what that's one thing we're gonna pick up this weekend another timer
2: yeah I have but, one on the aquarium they those things do wonders for everything because as you say sometimes you know like I'll have this idea that I'm gonna you know start these plants in pots and I'm gonna take care of them and a couple months go by and I do a really good job of it but then I get busy and I know they're there but I'm like not focused on it and then I go back to them and they're not doing great then I gotta work hard to get them to grow up again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and get strong again and and it, it's just been difficult. But if I had them on a timer where they were automatically it, yep, watered and everything, yep. at least that takes one of those things out of the the deal that I have to. You know maintain. what?
1: Good idea. That's what I'm going to do. That's yeah. exactly. One what of the, thing. the things the windstorm did, I told you, was blew Sean, over you, you
0: better hurry up because the pot we're that
1: did I uh, you the, had given me yeah. that was in the ground, and as it blew over, there were other things under there that you know, <laughs> I don't know if they're still alive because yeah. they hadn't been watered for months. <laughs> it
0: is always break time when John starts a conversation. Conversation, and is it we do apologize. Time or is it the end of the show this is the end of the show
1: yeah we have to say goodbye we will come back next week we're though. gonna come back yeah, next we week
0: and we thank you a lot of people tuning in this morning thank you very much we're back again next week on biz Talk radio here on Facebook live getting into the Christmas season so hopefully some great holiday time ahead for all of you thank you so much
2: talk you to send us your pictures too on Facebook we'd love to see what everybody's up to
0: yep John bagnasco I'm Brian Maine we're back next week here on Garden America take care.